see you all here today, and I can really say that from the heart, being that I missed it last week, and it is good to be here. Thank you for your prayers, your cards, your phone calls, and your thoughts while I was sick. I'm just going to take this in for a moment. Our theme for this year is Send Me. The outline of today's sermon is in the bulletin. And if there was one that I would say, fold it up and keep it with you, it is this sermon here. Because a companion sermon next week is going to be the trials that we endure. This week we're going to talk about the temptations. And no, I don't mean that Motown group, but the temptations that we go through in our daily lives. Several years back, a masked magician boldly showed the secrets behind all of those tricks and every manner of illusions that were done. We could not figure these things out on our own, but this man took it upon himself, and in the end he unmasked himself as the great Valentino. He took a lot of heat for that, and he spoiled a lot of lessons, because he showed that whether you're trying to make an elephant disappear or card tricks, saw people in half, there was always a trick to it. As it turned out, it really is all just smoke and mirrors. It's only a paper moon sailing over a cardboard sea, as the songwriter wrote. And when we saw it, we thought, I can't, I can't believe it was that simple. Well, here today, I'm going to show you the secret behind everything will endure. For John, the apostle, wrote in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, all that is in the world. Go to your dictionary and you'll find that all means all. Not some or most, but all. Everything. Everything falls into those three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything. Could it be that simple? And why is it that we are given this glimpse into the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness? Or the temptations in the wilderness are exactly what John describes in 1 John 2.15. And it is exactly the same thing that the old serpent, Satan, not Lucifer. Lucifer is really the name for a king in the Old Testament. So when you call Satan Lucifer, you're wrong. He is not Lucifer. He is Satan. He is the old serpent. He is the deceiver. He is the one who accuses us. He's the one. And he used the same three temptations with Eve that he does with Jesus that is described in 1 John. There, we've just unmasked it all. 
And no matter what kind of temptation you endure, you will find as their lowest common denominator is one of those three right there. And Satan has been using it from the beginning and he's going to continue to use it. And Paul says when he wrote to the Corinthians, we are not unaware of Satan schemes. And he even appears, as he writes to them in his second letter, he even appears as an angel of light. He appears as someone who is from God and tries to convince us the same way that he tried to convince Eve. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, and there's the beginning right there, trying to say, well, what God said really wasn't that, was it? Did he actually say, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may not eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will bring good and evil. What a temptation to be like. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And just so that it is always clear and plain, I have color-coded all of these so that you can see exactly which one is being referred to. Wasn't that clever? <laughs> Color coding is so good. Now you can see exactly where Satan is coming from. As he tempts Eve, as he tempts Jesus, and as John describes what it is. We have unmasked that serpent so that we know how he is going to tempt us. For he will never tempt us in any way but those right there. And Paul says that the temptations we endure are those which are common to man. No secrets. Unmasked. It couldn't be plainer. We're not going to be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs, he writes to the church at Corinth. Paul would write to the Romans in Romans chapter 16, for such persons do not deserve our Lord Christ, but do not serve their own, our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. You see, Eve was deceived. Exactly what Paul says. I fear that you're going to be deceived just like Eve. But Jesus was not deceived, for he knew exactly what the tactics, the schemes, the devices, the designs, how Satan thinks. He knew exactly how he thought, and he wasn't going to fall for it. He caught Jesus physically at his weakest. It has now been two hours since I have eaten, and I'm already starting to think, about what I'm going to eat this afternoon. Imagine 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan catches him at his weakest physically. 
If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Oh, wouldn't that be a temptation? And here it is. But he answered, It is written. And each of the three temptations that Jesus is given, he will answer, It is written. And he will respond from the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus would know that only too well because, John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, because he gave that Word. It is written. We are told in the book of Hebrews by the writer of the book. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. And dropping down to Hebrews chapter 4, the writer gives us the key to the strength that we have. It is written Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Tempted in every way that we are. Notice at the end of Matthew chapter 4, it says, Satan left him for a more opportune season, as some of your versions say. He wasn't done with him. But in those three temptations, he has covered the things that you and I will endure. For he was in every respect tempted as we are. Well, what about? Nope. Oh, how? Nope. What? Nope. Every respect. Every. Has the same definition as all. So that nothing that we will endure in this life will be a surprise to us. We may be ignorant to it, but there's no reason why we should be surprised if we take the same approach as Jesus took. It is written. It is written. Paul would write, Romans 15, 4, whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction. So how will we know the things that are written in former times? Got to put your time in. How will you know what is written? You must spend your time there. The same thing that he writes to the church in Corinth. Examples written for our instruction. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. That should be enough to cue us into, if we want to know how to avoid such things, spend time in the Word. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, Hosea says, My people perish. Why? Because they're too weak? Because the enemy's too strong? My people perish for lack 
of knowledge. That should never be said of us. I think of Ezra, one of my favorite passages, Ezra 7.10. Ezra prepared, he set his heart to study and to do and to teach his statutes and rule. He prepared his heart. As we would say, he rolled up his sleeves, put his shoulder to the wheel, and put in his time. He set his heart. So we've seen the first temptation. The lust of the flesh. And the second one is the pride of life. John tells us for all that is in the world. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I'm going to take it a little bit out of order here because the Gospel of Matthew takes it out of order only one. But it's still the same message. The pride of life. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, So a woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise. For God knows when you eat, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. The pride of life. It is interesting that we see over and over it is it is written when Saul of Tarsus, later to be known as Paul, in Damascus was told what his duty was going to be. He said in Acts chapter 26 as he recounts this as he was in custody, delivering you from people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Always that delineation. Read great and epic stories. The Lord of the Rings, for instance. It's that battle between good and evil. Your superheroes. Any story that is written, and the classics, tells about that war between right and wrong, good and evil, light and darkness. They've gone to the dark side, as they say in Star Wars. Paul writes to the church in Colossians, the Colossians, Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. The domain of darkness. Paul calls Satan the god of this world has blinded them from seeing the light, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And he visits this over and over in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 18. They are darkened in their understanding, Ephesians 5, 8. At one time, you too were in darkness, Ephesians 6, 12, which really gives us the concept, the perspective of it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Kind of makes you shudder, doesn't it, when you realize the darkness that Satan has. 
Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.9, he's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It couldn't be plainer, the difference between daylight and darkness. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the sun specked up, throw yourself down, for it is written. Notice how he twists the word of God again. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot again. He said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16. You cannot fool the word of God by twisting the word of God. Tempted by the lust of the eyes. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes. The pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. It was a delight to the eyes. I can only imagine what that fruit was. We don't know. Artists have expected us to believe that it was an apple. I hope not, because I love Macintosh. But that's for another day. It was a delight to the eyes. And imagine as you're reading in Joshua chapter 7, you read of they're taking Jericho and the walls have fallen. And they were commanded, do not take any of the spoil. But a man named Achan, Achan, when I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shiner and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And we see that he hid them under the rug in his tent. I saw them and I coveted them. This is idolatry. It sets that which is a beauty to our eyes above God in its very simplistic way. David knew only too well in the spring of the year when kings go out to war. He decided he was going to stay home and he was on the roof and he looks and sees a beautiful woman before him. And thus it began for him. From the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. Ah, the lust of the eyes. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. All of these kingdoms I will give you. And some have said, those weren't his kingdoms to give. I beg to differ if he is the God of this world to give. And don't you ever be fooled by it. All these I will give to you. All of their beauty. He could see them all at once. But Jesus was not fooled. You shall worship the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 6.13. The word of God. It is written. For the word of God is living and active. 
Remember that. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Have you let the word of God do in your life? How much time would that take, would you think, in a day? 30 seconds? Two minutes? Five minutes? How much time would it take? For many of us, we ought to spend more time than we do. And I stand with my hand raised saying, I need to spend more time in God's word so that I know the schemes of the evil one and the blessings of God. Paul would write, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. It is the dynamite of God. For salvation to everyone who believes. Paul would write to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it, what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Not just great philosophy from people. It was from God himself. It is the word of God which is at work in you. Peter would write, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. All of those, by the way, fall into one of those three categories. Put all of those things away. And like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. What is this? Spiritual milk that he's the pure word of God. He would write in his second letter, the last in his the letter itself, I'll get to the last thing he says. Make every effort to supplement your faith. Add to it. Supplement it with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And where do we get this knowledge? From great philosophers? From public television? <coughs> From nice newspapers? No. The Word of God. <coughs> but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The last words we have that Peter penned. Grow in grace and knowledge. For the word of God is for us to depend upon the word's power. It is to depend and to desire the word's provision, and finally devoted to the word's protection. In the longest chapter, in the longest book in the Bible, Psalm 119. And the writer that I believe is David has written, I have stored up your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. How do we know what's right and wrong? And believe me, there is right and wrong. The word of God explains it completely. John would write in 1 John 3, 9, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And that seed is there.
Because Peter writes, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. How do we answer those temptations that come upon us? Whether they be the lust of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, with the word of God. It is written so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. Is it possible? Paul says it is. So that we are not outwitted by Satan, for we're not ignorant of his designs. 2 Corinthians 2.11 We will not be outwitted and ignorant because we have what is written to guard us and keep us. Are you spending time in God's word? Are you spending time reading and studying and meditating upon it? And trust me, it is more than 30 seconds a day. It is more than five minutes a day. It is as much time as you desire to spend in there that it shall help you to withstand the evil one. Eve could not do it, but Jesus could. And we too can do it by the power of Jesus in Christ. This looks so complicated if you're seeing it on the screen, but it is really so simple. So simple to believe that Jesus came to this world to die for our sins to grant us that power through him. And in believing that and repenting of our lives, our sins, and turning to Christ, confessing that he is the Christ, and that final step that puts us in contact with the blood of Christ, being baptized into Christ, we have that power, and that power will work in us through his word. Whatever your need is this day, Whatever weakness you are enduring, remember you are not alone. First and foremost, Christ is working in you if you have Christ. But if you don't have Christ, we can remedy that this very day. For we read in the instances in the book of Acts that no one ate a meal or slept or drank a drop until they had done what they needed to do to receive salvation once they learned it. And you too can be in Christ this day if you are not. Whatever your need is, make it known as together we stand and sing.